To make a photograph as honestly as one can generates an artifact that bears witness to one's personal truth. Our pictures are our footprints. It's the best way to tell people we were here. Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio. And this is Ward. Yeah. And this is episode 166 for the end of August. There August, goes the summer. There is the summer, yeah. That's okay. Too much work this summer, my friend. You've been Not working your butt out. off. Yeah. 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 I, I've... I won't go into what I've been doing because it's we've talked about it a lot, but yeah, it's been hot and sweaty, and I've been changing shirts twice a day. Okay. <laughs> well, I was it's, working on the deck in the backyard, and I I got rained on a little bit. We had a little storm pass through, and it really cooled off. We had a really nice warm summer by uh, by my standards, anyway, and it really cooled off, and I'm okay with that. We've had no rain. In fact, I think New York City and other states in the area are in, in drought conditions wow. and uh yeah i've like gone over to uh, greenwood a couple of times and they have got three big bodies of water mm -hmm. or like two big ones and one smaller one and the smaller one is totally oh it's almost totally dried up and mm -hmm. weeds are growing in it and it's one of the places where the uh migratory birds come uh even right. the little ones and there's just no water there and then the other two are you can see I was I was there a couple of days ago, and a egret was just walking on the water looking for birds, rather than you know, you know walking on it. But you know, yeah, was, uh, you didn't have to stay on the edge of the water. In fact, he couldn't because the water level was so low that if he was on the edge, he wouldn't be able to reach fish. Right. Yeah. So it's been it's been uh, we had one rain uh, a couple of days ago, and it didn't cool it didn't cool crap. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, it made it. It felt like it just made it humid. It made it worse. I just yeah. came out of the subway and I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was coming out of the subway because I was I had gone to uh, for a uh, first trip in I don't know how long uh, to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Wow, uh, fancy! Look at you, fancy! Yeah, in fact, I joined. I finally joined them as a member uh, so that I didn't have to make any kind of. Um, they have new arrangements and you have to schedule your time and buy a ticket. And I'm like, oh. you know what? <laughs> I'm not doing that. No. And I figured I've, I've, I've owed them enough, uh, of my, um, I don't know, allegiance and stuff like that. They should pay them and, and become a member. And, yeah. but that way I could just walk in. They don't, you don't have to have that restriction for, if you're a member, you just walk in whatever you want. Can you bring a buddy? You can bring a buddy. In fact, I I, uh, I got the basic membership, and you can bring a guest and can walk cool. in any time. So I know that you're uh, planning to come out here. Sometime. I am. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so what was the, it? What was it? The Museum of Modern Art that you were. Uh, modern Art Metropolitan Museum. Ma oh God! It's not modern. No, it's not modern. It's not, I'm sorry, man. I don't There's know. two museums. Actually, we should. I'm not oh from God. there. I'm I'm a foreigner. I haven't I haven't been to the Modern Museum of Art uh, in a long time either. But the Met is always a great place because it's giant. It's also very old, and they have a very uh, mixed collection of work. They do all sorts of stuff. So there's you know the 
Egyptian section. I like going to the Greek and Roman section. And actually, they have an exhibit now in the Greek and Roman section where they have been, um, they've taken certain uh, cats, cats of certain sculptures and, and bronzes, and they've painted them because they uh, are talking about the original um, uh, statues from ancient times. Uh, many of them were painted. Painted, were probably, oh, I were see. probably painted, you know. Okay. So we think of them as white, you know, because all the colors have been bleached off. Right. But a lot of them have actually had paint on them. And it was kind of fun to do that. But I actually went there because I wanted to take pictures. It's like, I haven't been, you know, I love, remember when we did our show, the art of art of art, right? Art of art, yeah. I like taking photographs of sculptures, especially ancient Greek and Roman sculpture. And I've been there, you know, I I take pictures of the same ones, but there's always different light there. Mm. So I went there with the uh, medium format because I figured, okay, let me try it and see what pictures will look like on a larger sensor camera. And uh, it was great. It was wonderful to walk around with that camera. And take pictures because again it was slow and right. uh, deliberate. But while I was there, I also had forgotten that there's a photography exhibit that I wanted to see. In fact, I posted it up in our um, unusual uh, Discord server, and it's the photography of Burned and Hilla Becker. And hopefully, uh-huh. I'm pronouncing their last name right: B E C H E R. But cool. I had I had never heard of them before, and <laughs> I don't know if you have. I had, yeah. A little bit. Had, I don't know where I am. I'm in, in this world. I'm like so many photographers I don't know about. But uh, their work is, um, how do I describe it? Uh, they photographed, they were uh, one of these rare uh, husband and wife photography teams. And I, I say rare because you don't really see husband and wife walking around with cameras that much. Nope. Uh, oh, here, I actually took a picture of the... Um, Hang on, I can read this if I can get it to show up. There we go. The renowned German artists Burned and Hilla Becker, 1931 uh, to 2007. That's when Burned lived. And then uh, Hilla, 1934 to 2015, changed the course of late 20th century photography, working as a rare artist couple. They developed a rigorous practice focused on single subject, the disappearing industrial architecture of Western Europe and North America that fueled the modern era and two world wars. So their their imagery is of these sort of industrial farming buildings and sites. And so uh, grain elevators, water grain elevators, towers. Yeah, well, everything. I mean, um, foundries. Foundries, yeah, yeah, all these things, uh, steel mills. And they approached it sort of as uh, documentarians, you know, mm. uh, photographing. They would take like a, and they used a large format camera. And I think because they showed a little video of mm. them, which was great, a little seven-minute uh, documentary silent video. And it wasn't a four by five camera, but it wasn't eight by ten. I'm wondering if it was a five by seven. Are there five by seven view cameras? Well, yeah, because yeah. it, it didn't look as big as an eight by ten. No, um, because they're both carrying it and. They're they're setting it up, but it certainly looked bigger than a four by five. But I, I yeah. it, you know, an eight by ten is humongous. Eight, eight yeah. by ten film cameras. So I, I think it was a five by seven or whatever the equivalent would be between. Mm-hmm. And they're photographing these sites and they're walking around and they're doing sort of a three sixty view, making like multiple, you know, eight shots from different angles of most of these places, and they call it a typology, mm-hmm. uh, or even um, uh, in the building they call the buildings themselves anonymous sculptures. Um, okay. But the, the and the show was humongous. It was I have never seen so many prints of of this kind of stuff in one place. 
So I would and, just think on the face of it, you're, well, we're you know you're taking pictures of these these apparently kind of nondescript, sometimes run down looking structures. I mean, it it clearly has had an impact on you, and you've seen you know I've seen pictures and books and everything, and have an idea about mm -hmm. what it's like to go through you know to look at that work. What did you get out of it? Because because it's a lot of the same kind of tone and it is presence <laughs> on the print, right? Well, uh, first of all, the prints, you know, this is, and uh, I don't want to jump the gun here, but we're, I want to talk about, you know, the um, idea of uh, photography artifacts. And I mm -hmm. think prints sort of fall into that category a little bit. The prints of these um, in this exhibition were unbelievable. They were, mm -hmm. first of all, very, they tend to be very large, not overly large, but I mean, large enough that you could stand back about you know, six feet and you could take it all in, but you can go mm. really close up and, and see all the details. I mean, like, you know, they're shooting these giant structures or structures with a lot of detail in, in, mm. in them. And, and the prints allowed you to, 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 to do both, you know, quote unquote pixel peep in a way. But um, I think they invited that they were, they were beautiful gelatin prints, you know, mm. none of this was digital. This was all film yep. from what I can tell. Uh, given the time period, yes, they didn't shoot digitally. It was all film. I think that there were no digital cameras that had that kind of resolution. No. Uh, and they were arranged in, in almost like, a, like, you know, I don't know if you think about like a botanical garden, you know, recording, you know, the, the specimens. They're almost like a specimen okay. thing. But there was just something about the uh, the way they were presented and what they were shooting. And, you know, it also made the world feel, uh, their world felt like it was abandoned, you know, like it mm. was post-apocalyptic in some way, not really, but yeah. I had some feeling of like, you know, oh, what was that show on Discovery when the, all the people are gone or something like that. It was just, uh, okay. but it was something, I don't know, the tonal quality of it, there was a, I can't, I can't describe it in words. I don't really have the words, but, there was something about the tonality of the prints that was just for me. Um, I I don't know. I, I, I was just drawn into. Them. I almost wanted to like. It's <laughs> like I wanted to eat them. Yeah, no, but I with my eyes, like yeah. I just, you know, nothing yeah. that we have in front of me. Like I'm looking around, not even like really good printed books. Nothing matched that, and mm. it really made me think about the print mm. uh, again. It made me really consider and and sort of miss the print mm. um i've been we've been spending so much time looking at screens lately and photographs on screens and reflected uh not reflected light transmitted light coming yeah. into our eyes and and oh yeah you know that's how we're seeing even with pdfs and stuff like that oh yeah that's how we're seeing pictures and there's something it was almost like my eyes were relieved too right. to see prints now this could be any show i think you know with any kind of photography show but i think the subject matter also helped um, yeah. Uh, there's something that I resonate with, you know, since, you know, a few weeks ago, I went to Hudson, New York to, again, put on my Walker Evans shoes and do sort of a documentarian of the buildings there, of some yeah. of the stuff. And it was just, it wasn't only about photographs. It was really just to get away. But I like that. I like that sort of documentarian recording of yeah. these objects, these giant objects. Yeah. And, and it's actually, like they had, the street photography, the, the whole discovery. Yeah, I love that. Like, yeah. You find it, you get lined up, you, you have a pleasant experience of actually shooting and it makes you all that much more excited to do right. all exactly. the work that comes after. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't even feel like work when you say that. It's just exactly it's like what you do. They had one section of 
pictures of houses in Germany. Uh, I can't I can't remember the name of the the style of the houses. Uh, Bauhaus. No, they were. Um, hang on, I got the. Oh, here. Uh, framework houses. Oh, okay. Um, they. Uh, let's see if I can, I can read this. Uh, anyway, I won't read it. But the 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 style of the house, they almost look like they're 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 white with these sort of uh, framework wooden lines in them. Can okay. you can you picture one? Actually, I'll show you on the screen if I can show you. You're not gonna. People in the audience are not gonna see this, but it might help Ward. Uh, oh, I oh, see. I see. Focus that kind of framework, like house. this, like a Tudor, like what we would call a Tudor house in some is ways. Is that what it's it like is? Like a stucco with boards uh, in between, or plaster with boards in between to right, mark right. a grid on it. Yeah, right. It's a very, it's a, and again, it's a. They call it a typology. So they're going around finding these houses, and the and the and the exhibition is putting all these things together. I mean, they're meant to be together, right? So there's mm -hmm. a. Uh, in this case, there's. 15 prints five by three grid each with a different house on it but all sort of presented at the same size and whatnot so you're looking okay. at them as a group of images as a as a story in a sense about these framework style houses but then you're invited to sort of look at each one individually okay uh and so there so the whole exhibition is this i mean it's like there was one wall with uh i can't remember what the uh, subject matter was but there were 30 yeah, 30 prints. Giant. I mean, these were big. Took up a whole wall of the gallery. And it was 30 prints of like a, you know, steel mills or something like that. So, anyway, I just wanted to I wanted to mention that. I mean, this is this is one of the reasons why I like to tell people. I love to tell students like go to go to museums for a couple of reasons. One great opportunity to take pictures of people. Great street photography. I got a good picture while I was there, I think I, you, you saw it. I posted it yeah, I liked in the it. Egyptian section with all the figures, yeah. all these city figures, and then a person standing next to it. I waited a long time to get that. But anyway, it's like... <laughs> he was reading the little blurb on He was the reading wall. the blurb, right. It's like, yeah. I'll put this picture in the show notes. It's, it's funny. I waited a while to get that because I was like, oh, that's a nice angle. And then this is with the GFX. And so, yeah. you know, I, I could wait and, and take pictures. But anyway, going to see, you know, uh, photograph. Uh, people in a museum is fun, but then mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're you're surrounded by you know artwork and you don't know that a show might be there that you didn't see. And I'm so happy to see the show. In fact, I bought the show book. Uh, oh, cool! Well, I got a discount too because I'm a member. <laughs> so, can you bring like, a buddy? Oh, I said that already. Didn't I? Yeah, you can bring a buddy. I can get a discount uh, when you come there. And the show's up until November. So if you're in New York, if any, not you're going to be in New York in November. But anybody who's listening to the show, if you're if you're into uh, um, this kind of work I may mean, or may not be into this kind of old architecture typology photography, but go to the Met and, and see the show. You don't have to pay extra, and you can photograph in the gallery. I was, I was, I, I sometimes they don't let you photograph in the galleries, and so I was taking only iPhone pictures because I just wanted to record it for. I think we should do a show on this on an episode on these people. It would be great to do okay. a deep dive on them uh, and talk more about it. So um, I'll leave it. I'll leave it for that. But uh, again, it was the uh, you know I haven't seen a print. Uh, a photo print like that in I don't know I mean I haven't been to any shows and stuff like that since lockdown was what, March of 2020. Uh, I don't know I think maybe I can't remember the last time I was at the museum so it was a really refreshing and then I walked through the galleries the uh, you know the European art it's always great to see paintings giant mm -hmm. paintings. One of the things I did was take a lot of photographs of these stodgy <laughs> these portraits you know portraits from the uh, 1700, 1800, the people are very, you know, they're not yeah. smiling. 
Yeah. And there's a there's an app on my phone called Face App, uh, which <laughs> which will uh, put smiles on people right, amongst other things. And so what I always do is I take pictures. I find these stodgy portraits, and then I run them through the Face App, and it makes them smile. And two things happen. First of all. It makes the people look like more relatable, right? Because <laughs> all of a sudden they have these smiles, and then I'll do is I'll take them a bunch of them and I'll post them and I'll say I made a, made a trip to the Happy Museum. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know it's cool. worth seeing. You know it's worth seeing any kind of art and and and. Uh, and with the Beckers, it's a different thing. It's not like the stuff we're normally exposed to or would you know look right. out for, right? And uh, it sounds like you had a very unique experience there. And if I'm going to get out there this fall, I'm definitely going to. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and just the logistics of this, the amount of printing. And the oh, the well, last thing I'll say about this, the prints, the, the consistency between them all mm. are, which you may not think about this, but to, I mean, you must know this more because you've been working in the darkroom longer than I have. But to get consistent prints from yeah. from a different subjects right so yeah. like they're shooting different subjects they're always shooting on uh, overcast days but they're shooting different subjects over time and to get them all to look the, have the same tonality yeah it's got to be a bitch to do that yeah. so well, i never went, i never had the patience for that my subject matter changed all the time so right right yeah. i could never I, mean, I got one one two or three prints once i got settled down yeah and that was boy. it that was all that was ever made you know? Yeah, I mean, this is not like you know, pressing a button, hitting you know, Control P and print, you know, yeah. and, and constantly spitting up the same print from a from an inkjet printer. These are gelatin prints, and so they're darkroom working with large negatives and uh, and again different subjects. And so anyway, that's it's. I, I'm sure I can dive into more, and we'll I'll, I'll leave that for when we when we do a deep dive on them because uh, I like to spend more time with this stuff. But anyway, fantastic stuff, fantastic. So. Cool. Yeah, and I was thinking, uh, I actually, since I took some pictures uh, of some sculptures and, and, and whatnot, and I was thinking, okay, well, you know, I posted it on Facebook and, and whatnot, and I was like, okay, where else can I post this? And and lately, I've, uh, um, what happened? So about a week ago, two weeks ago, that guy- it was uh, two he, weeks for you. Two weeks, maybe? Yeah. Uh, and people probably know this guy, Peter McKinnon on YouTube, you know, yeah. YouTuber or something like that. But there was a post that he put up about anytime I see something about Instagram, my, you know, you know, is Instagram yeah. dying? And I'm like, okay, let me see this because yeah. <laughs> I, and I thought I'm, well, I'm kind of anti Instagram now in the sense of, like I said, my Instagram account was hacked and they've done nothing to get it back for me. And then I also realized that, you know, Instagram has turned into this, into something else, right? Yeah. It's no, it's no longer just a photography site. They've even said that, but Peter McKinnon got onto YouTube and said, is Instagram dead? And, and I watched it and they talked about Vero V E R O, yeah, which was a social media sharing app site that had uh, came out, I think in 2000, maybe 2015 perhaps and and they got sort of infamous in 2018 by some i can't remember if it was a data breach something or i i don't know but they, there was some something that went on that i also remember like okay well i don't want to be part of them right uh, and sort of put them put that app onto the side and whatnot but his video and he's got such a giant youtube following that um after I saw his video and then I went on to this other, other social media, started seeing people talk about Vera all of a sudden. So it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Pretty obvious that he had some sort of impression on people. Obviously he had an impression on me. So I went back to Vero 
and I looked at it and I refired up my account and it seems like a pretty decent photography sharing site. And it, I don't say it reminded me of early Instagram because I really don't remember early Instagram. I don't think I joined uh, at the beginning. No, it was but... very crude. I mean, if, you know, if you look at the difference between Vero now and Instagram, uh, Instagram seems very, very crude. <laughs> Yes, even I mean they they haven't really changed their interface all that much over the years, but yeah, Vero uh, looked really nice. I started looking through it, and you can separate stuff out, and you can have photos, you can you can filter your timeline mm -hmm. so that you can only see photos, you don't have to see videos, and there's no ads yet on this thing. But I've noticed that people are starting to like again. I was looking at my Twitter timeline, and people are talking about Vero again. Other photographers are like joining up, so uh, I thought. Let me let me fire it up again, and and uh, it's it's starting from scratch for me. I don't have any I don't have any f that many followers. I know you're following. There's a handful of people. I'm following you, and you're but, following me. Yeah, and I figured if I had to start up on Instagram again, I'd have to start from scratch anyway. And I really don't want to go through Instagram's bullshit again. Excuse me. Yeah. I usually don't say things like that on on this, but I, I really in this case believe that that uh, Instagram has turned into something that I, I haven't been on there since, I don't know when I got hacked, April, I think. I think it was April or um, late yeah. March. It's around that time. And, you know, I don't miss it in the sense that I'm not, you know, it's one of the things I would spend the most amount of time on. I think we even talked about it here, how much yeah. time spent scrolling on Instagram. And I, I do miss seeing some of the work that I was following on there. But I don't miss it that much so i don't know what's what's your experience so far on Vero? well i liked i love from them when i first signed up i really like how classy the interface is i like um um how it does this auto hashtag makes it much right, easier right. It looks I, like I intentionally yeah. didn't hashtag before because i thought it created an artificial audience and i i mean my growth of followers was very slow compared to many others because they did hashtag but they had these this falling away of people. When I noticed, when I didn't hashtag the followers that I did have, they I tended to keep. So I always had this kind of slow and steady growth. Mm -hmm. I'm only into the I don't know, not that many, less than a thousand, probably around a thousand followers, not that many. On on on, on Instagram, Instagram. Uh -huh. and um, and I'm fine, whatever. Uh, with Vero, I'm happy to use the auto hashtagging, and it makes makes it easier for me to add other hashtags that are more that are you know a little bit more bang on more appropriate yeah, to the subject yeah. and just let that go let it fly and we'll see how it goes but uh i really like i think it's very classy and um i like the other options for music and that sort of stuff that you could do i'm i have no use for it right now but i like the option that it's there kind of latent waiting for if i do have an opportunity to share something that's in a little bit different form of media then I can exploit right, it. Right, right. And um, it's nice that you can filter that when you're looking in your timeline. So if you don't yeah. want to see flickering videos or yeah. or whatever, you can just tap on photos and just watch, look at photos. And I've noticed a couple of my followers have said they have ditched Instagram in favor of Vero. Yeah. And from here, from from Calgary, a, a fellow oh, street yeah. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. photographer, so just to do something else. And um, I don't know if I'll do that. Because my print sales, maybe half of my print sales, which are really nothing, they're a trickle, but they come from uh, they come from Instagram. Yeah. So, I, 
I don't see, you know, I don't see much of a future for Instagram. I mean, everybody's beaten up on it and they're doing their best to turn it into TikTok, which doesn't, I, I have no interest in, in moving, you know, videos yeah. of people doing whatever. It's not, yeah. you know, it's too much crap. And every fifth picture on my timeline, so Is 20%, yeah. well, it's not a real, no, it was an ad. Oh. Uh, I mean, I didn't, I don't know if I had reels popping up all the time. There might've been some, but I, I do know that every 20% of the, of the imagery that I looked through was, was ads. And I sat there and I counted one, two, three, four, five ad, one, two, three, four, five ad. And so, yeah. uh, it's, it's not, I, you know, I don't make, I never made any print sales from it. Well, I'm glad you were able to do that. So I'm like, I'm not losing anything. Right. And I, I, appreciate a better experience i mean the other thing that's nice about vero is that you know you don't have to do any of this bs with with your aspect ratio of your pictures you just know that yeah you just my, put them up you know if you have a vertical picture it shows the yeah. entire vertical picture my you know, stampede heads pictures a lot of them the waist up pictures that i take are the full frame right right <clears throat> and yeah that's great and it and it the proportion on the screen works fine it doesn't exactly it, work, it does work fine i mean actually it does work sort of against horizontal pictures or panoramics but that's always been the nature of of a phone anyway is, you know, yeah well i don't think the app works in horizontal it doesn't flip to horizontal but uh the aspect ratios are, are are really nice the quality looks really nice the, the sort of the way they the the ui is a very soft mm -hmm. interface it's not very bright or uh, I don't know, harsh don't on the eyes. Like, yeah, like I don't Instagram. feel like I have to put a, like on some of my, some of my pictures, I, I put a white picture frame on it just so that right. I but that might work. It. That might work. You know, that might work when the, when someone's got a phone in the daytime, but if they're going to night mode on an iPhone, then you got a black app yeah. with a white border, you know, and you know, this at least just presents the picture with a soft background and yeah. it's a, it's kind of a very neutral experience. So, you know, uh, and I'll, I'll, at the end of the show, I'll, I'll, we can give our, our Vero addresses, but I, I, I so far I'm enjoying it. And yeah. I, I also notice I'm not spending as much time on it, but that's because I don't follow enough people. You know, right. it's just I'm starting still in again. the single digits, <laughs> so. still in the single digits, but you know, I, to me, it wasn't about, you know, again, it's not about followers and stuff like that. I'm really not, it's nice to get that a little bit, but I'm also more wanting to see pictures. Now I have today, I was going through it and looking for new photographers to follow. And the, the sort of the trend I could see, it kind of, there's a bit, I might sound a little critical here, but it was a little bit reminding me of 500 PX. Okay. A little bit more towards at least the ones I was seeing. And again, I didn't spend too much time on the app, but the ones I was seeing sort of featured, there was a lot of landscape and fashion um, photography, mm -hmm. and maybe not as much street photography like, like Instagram was, at least the people I was following. Again, I haven't dived into it fully enough. And I, I imagine now they're going to sort of get a resurgence of people since McKinnon has got such a following and that's rippling yeah. through, you know, you know, I, like I, I posted on Twitter that, you know, you want to see my pictures, uh, new pictures go to Vero. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, like a handful of people I know signed up. Right. And so, you know, as more people sign up and the variety, you know, um, sort of increases, I, I think it'll be a better experience. But, yeah. uh, you know, I'm all for, you know, trying something different. And, and, and if something is a new photography experience, if it's a bit more community than Instagram is, Instagram started off as a photographer community and now it's just a 
place of commerce. I think that's what it is. And, and good for Instagram. I don't really, you know, I'm imagining that, that it's going to happen to, every, you know, that's kind of what all these app developers want. They want to make money and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how long, you know, Vero is going to stay without ads. And, but uh, I'm imagining they have, to, they have to make money too at some point. Yeah. But I, I kind of recommend joining Vero. And uh, if you're really into wanting to have a better photography experience, and again, photography, maybe in videos too. I mean, again, it's a media thing. Yeah. Uh, take a look. Uh, it doesn't cost anything, and and you won't. I don't think you'll be seeing pictures of you know um, people's painted fingernails and TikTok dances and, and, and whatever else. Breakfast dishes and breakfast yeah. dishes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I get the sense that it's more photography oriented. So. Yeah. And speaking of apps, going into the going to the next, and I, I called an audible on this show, so I, I was like, I didn't want to, okay. didn't, I didn't necessarily want to talk about this, but I, I think it's the sort of the elephant in the room, at least for me. And again, maybe we'll, we'll we'll also just keep it short so that we can table this for a larger discussion. And I think sure. I'd like to have a large discussion, maybe with other people about this. But lately, if anybody's, you know, unless your 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 head's been in the sand for a while, you know. There are all these, there's like a handful of apps now that are creating, that are uh, artificial intelligence art creating apps. Mm-hmm. And uh, I joined one and I'm using it on Discord and it's called uh, Mid Journey AI. And what is that? Well, it it's it's basically, the basic thing you do is is uh, you, you, you get a prompt on the screen and, and you type in something. And like, for instance, you know, uh, I was typing in, you know, Warriors of Dune, uh, Tin Type, uh, you know, Shallow Depth of Field, blah blah blah, and then you send that prompt off to an artificial intelligence behind the, you know, the, <laughs> the man behind, behind the, the Discord curtains, server, yeah, behind the Discord server, and the thing eventually spits out an image based on the prompt that you put in there, mm-hmm. and uh, first of all, it's highly addicting. Number one. It doesn't just send you one picture. It, gives it doesn't you... send you one picture. It gives you four pictures, right, in a yeah. grid, and in, in different variations based on the prompt. And from there, you can go on and make more variations from the pictures that you see, or you can start to upsample. Uh, so, in other words, get a higher quality, more detailed version of one of the four pictures that it spits out to you. And you can keep going with this. You can keep making variations and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And because it's artificial intelligence, it's, it's, I don't know how it's creating pictures, so don't ask. I don't know anything about the behind the scenes stuff. It's a little dubious, I think, but um, it is, it is uh, creating, uh, I've been creating all sorts of imagery with this, but like one of the things I've been doing, I, uh, one of the things that was fun to try was I liked it. I like uh, people. Are, oh, people are posting this stuff. So I'm, I've joined the Discord group for this thing. So people are posting pictures. Mm-hmm. I'm also on the Facebook group for this. And the, the pictures that people are posting are insane. I am so. I remember, I told you I collect pictures. Like I download them and yeah, store yeah. them on my phone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm doing this for. <laughs> I'm not doing anything with the pictures. I'm just collecting them because I'm hoarding these well, digital pictures. Okay. What's your definition of insane? What are you calling insane? Like beautiful, it's strange, beautiful, what? I in indescribable, indescribable. So first of all, I, 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 I am feeling 
I'm feeling something for people who are illustrators because I can imagine this kind of stuff is going to eat into, into, um, you know, people who do illustration for a living, you know, dare but you use like, the word disruptive then in this disruptive would, would be the, would be the word I would, I would say, uh, I, I can't describe, I, I love science fiction, right? I love science mm -hmm. fiction illustrations. I used to love looking at book covers. I mean, in fact, I remember just going sometimes to Barnes and Noble and just looking at the science fiction book covers. I wouldn't necessarily buy the book, but I love the art mm -hmm. on the covers and a lot of what people are doing. There's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. There's a lot of like, you know, uh, cyberpunk city at night, volumetric lighting, cinematic, right. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they're spitting out a picture and you're looking at it and it it's semi-realistic and illustrative. I can't, it's a mixture of everything. Uh, and sometimes it looks really strange. It's a, the artificial intelligence puts in things that don't make sense and it, it kind of dis distorts figures. But there's also a... a you know, you know, not everybody who illustrates makes things look realistic. They do, you know, no. interpretations of stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot of that stuff going on. So uh, as I look at other people's work, and then some of the stuff that comes through. Now, there are other apps that people use, and I can't remember the names of them off the top of my head right now, mm -hmm. um, that, a little, that are a little bit more realistic and create uh, portraits of people. Actually, some of them are so realistic that they look like photographs. And that makes me wonder about the behind the scenes stuff of like where the artificial intelligence programming is getting the imagery to start with it. Because it has to start with something. It must be pulling right. images. Like I, I have a feeling it's pulling images and in, in sort of like piecing them together, like collaging. But mm -hmm. some of the stuff looks so realistic uh, on other artificial intelligence platforms that makes me worry, not worry really, but like I said, illustrators and like stock photographers you guys have to watch because yeah, this is, yeah. because this stuff is, I was making things like, okay, so on mid journey AI, I would do something like, you know, give me a spaceship in, you know, near a nebula with a planet in the style of Chris Foss. Chris Foss is this yeah. British uh, science fiction illustrator who I love. Right. Yeah. And, and the thing spits out an image and I'm like, it looks like a Chris Foss, you know, maybe mm -hmm. not exactly. And the ship is not quite, mm, you know, but it's an it, interpretation of it's an interpretation. Yeah. It's an interpretation. And the thing is, like, you know, I, I, I was reading this. Someone actually posted uh, if I can find what they said. Um, I can't remember what they said, but like, you know, I've never been able to draw. Right. Really not well. And I've always liked to draw. Like, if I wanted to draw anything, I would like to draw like Chris Foss spaceships and, and imagine yeah. like, I don't know, because I, I like sitting there and looking at it and my my imagination yeah. kicks off for no reason. I'm not going to I don't want to make book covers. But. You know, it, it's addicting in that sense. Like, I will do things like make, you know, spaceships things. But one of the things I did, this is why I wanted to talk about this, was I said, well, let me try this. Shane um, Balkowitz did a, did a he, he actually posted a picture somewhere on, on one of the photography Facebook groups, which he did on MidJourney AI. And it was a, a tin type. I think it was the angel of death. He did. It was beautiful. Right. I know. Yeah, you saw that, that one, right? Yeah. Creepy. It was <laughs> creepy. And I, I was like, and it looked uh, like a tin type. It, it looked like, like a tin a... type. And so I, I said, well, let me see what I could do with, with the prompt, with tin types. And I want to do something. And I said, what would I like to do? I said, I started thinking, ah, maybe I want to reimagine Dune. Right. So I started right. putting in prompts that included 
things about Dune and Tintype and Shallow Death of Field and No Color and blah, blah, blah. And it started spitting out some stuff and I started tweaking them and I started collecting them and I created a collection of Tintype style imagery that were reimagined uh, a Dune. Uh, and I looked yeah. at the stuff and I was floored by it. That's well, why I kept they doing They look it. like costume images for the movie is what they look like. Like, well, someone said actual, actual people like right. they look like actual people dressed up with all of this stuff around. It's like, it's amazing. So I, 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 I made it, I filtered it down as much as I could because it was really hard. A lot of the pictures are really good. I filtered it down to about 40 pictures images and i put them up on on the mid journey ai facebook group and it's gone insane i've never like i've never had any amount of um comments and and views on a, on a group of pictures before now i don't take credit for these pictures at all no i didn't make them i prompted them and so in a sense it was a collaboration with me and a machine but that's sort of in the sense of like you know if i was like hiring uh, you know an illustrator and saying look i need a you know i need these kind of drawings and then the illustrator does them and i go right. well you know tweak 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 you know so there's the collaboration in the sense of like i created the idea perhaps and the machine is is following through i don't mm -hmm. take any credit for the making of these images uh, at all other than that i prompted them to be made yeah. And I tweaked them and I kept getting them to the way that I liked them. Uh, so that's about the amount of credit. For and that's why, like, let's wait for another show. Because actually, I'm starting to think about, it, like, the, the copyright, the just all this stuff about it. But anyway, that being said, someone wrote, uh, again, a zillion comments on these. First of all, within, like, a day or two, it was, like, you know, 1,500, uh, you know, uh, reactions on Facebook, which I've never mm -hmm. had before on anything. Uh, and people are saying these are fantastic. One person said Dune, directed by Joel Peter Witkin, which I thought, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was perfect. And and you know, I thought as a reimagining of Dune, like would, it, would this would be this would be really insane. One of the one of the interesting images that it spit out, I did a sandworm, and those were really hard to prompt because just the way it, the machine, yeah, was doing them. But I got one. And it didn't, it looked like a sandworm, but it didn't look like a sandworm. And I thought that's really cool because if you know in the books, you know, they talk about sandworms and stuff like that, but I, I and you expect to see like an earthworm, a giant yeah. earthworm, which we've yeah. been seeing in the films. But I thought, well, what if, you know, after, after they spit out the image, I said, that's really interesting because on an alien world, an alien creature, we might call a sandworm because we have no words for it. It right. might act like a worm, but it doesn't necessarily have to look like one, right? right? And and this thing was spitting out imageries that I thought, oh yeah, that's a really good idea. That's another, uh, that's a different way to interpret, right? The way a sandworm. Oh. Anyway, it was just, it was insane. People are people are posting this and saying, uh, I'm thinking this could lead to another remake of Dune, blah, blah blah. And and the other thing I thought about as a practical purpose is like this would be great again for maybe artists as a pre visualization. Mm -hmm. Like if you wanted to pre visualize something. And you needed help, and you say, "Oh yeah, you know this could spark, and this could spark an idea to create an image." I mean, if I wanted to do a tin type of someone, uh, you know, in these kind of costumes, probably I could find someone who could make a costume, and then you know, learn how to make a tin type, and then find this kind of destination and actually start to create them in reality. Yeah. So no, that might be true. sort of the practical part. Of it. But anyway, I wanted to just mention this. I mean, I'm talking long. Well, time. I. Well, I, I played with it. I, I took my free time. I don't know what it is. 
10 seconds of CPU time and played with it over a couple of days. And uh, I think it's good for, uh, what is the prompt on, on Discord? Is it slash dream or something? You imagine, go, imagine, imagine, slash Sorry, imagine. That's right. yeah. That's a perfect word for it because when you're trying to think of something, you know, you, you enter it. So I had done a couple that really, uh, um, and you just got to freewheel it, right? And it was just right, different right. things I pulled out of the air. One was uh, Medieval Knight Photo Booth. Um, <laughs> first grader class pictures of scary clowns. Uh, what was another one? Um, Death Star Plans as a 1940s poster. Oh, um, I didn't see those. So, no, and I, I, I didn't download it. I didn't keep it. It's, it's uh -huh. somewhere anyway. And I think somebody else was doing something very similar. But just those things, like what would that look just just off the top of your head? You're just imagining this thing, right? Right. And then it creates it for you, and then you have this immediate personal connection to it, and you know which ones you would like better than others, and you can drill down until finally you have this distilled image of this thing you had just this little vestige of imagination about, and now it's kind of made manifest, and it is something, and it that's what you're saying. It's addicting. It is uh, a way for a person who's not creative in a particular way to express a creativity with, you know, with paintbrushes he can't control, you know, or uh, in the case of the, the scary clown kids, the first graders, um, it was perfect. <laughs> they were perfect. And I know they kind of scared you guys, but that was exactly, that was exactly what I was going for. I know our friend Mark Ryerson was like, Man, I, he says it's going to take me a while to get over these, for heaven's sake. You right. Know? There's a there's a nightmarish quality to to some yeah. of the stuff, and that's too, exactly but, what that was exactly what I was going for. Yeah, I think that you know the implications for this for you know creatives and photography is going to be. I, I don't even know what it's going to be actually, but I know it's. Um, it, you said at the beginning of this discussion is going to be disruptive, and disruption is. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is going to be another. Uh, generation of disruption. I've lived through a couple already, and yeah. this is going to be another one. And uh, I don't know what it's going to be like for people who are who do this kind of stuff for a living. I mean, some of the other AI programs do, like I said, realistic renderings of like uh, you know, like interiors. I was seeing some really nice interior design mm -hmm. of you know, like apartments and stuff like that. Now I think you know it's not based on any kind of schematics. It's you know I think it's the same kind of thing where you're saying imagine this that and the other thing. But mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised at some point where you can start you know well I've got this house plan and imagine you know what I can fit into this house and and what's that going to do for people who who do that kind of stuff and photography too stock photography. Imagine you can say first of all you don't have to you don't need model releases anymore right most yeah. likely depending on how the how these companies set up their rights for using the imagery. Um, they're going to you know, uh, I need uh, an image of someone buying fruit at a grocery store, right? No longer mm -hmm. do you need to have a production going to a grocery store and getting the permission of the grocery store or watching out for logos and all that, you know, yeah. it, 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 as easy of a picture that, that it is to describe, it's a pain in the butt to actually make that, to do that as a photographer, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and now, you you know, a designer can sit there and say, I just need this image, you know, and they're paying a subscription fee to an AI service and boom, there's their image with a unrecognizable purely made up person in yeah. an unrecognizable generic store buying, you know, and then they stick it in their ad and boom, that's it. Photography, you know, that photography is, is no longer necessary. So 
Yeah, there's that. Well, and, and also too, I'm mean, coming back to the um, the imagination of it. I mean, I think I typed in pretending I was typing in mock song lyrics. If you want to do your, you know, an album cover or something, distant cities of sunshine of beauty and color. You know, you put that in. Oh my uh-huh. God, like stuff <laughs> like that. Just whatever. Just just something poetic that that uh, evokes something. Yeah. Uh, and I did a few of those, and they were pretty amazing too. Enough for yeah. you to certainly go in different directions and chase them down, but yeah, I'm 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 totally amazed by this stuff. And you know, there's the the part of me that wants to play with it and use it. And again, for me, I don't know. Although I'm starting to think people are asking me like they would like to buy prints of this Dune stuff, and I'm like, who? Well, who owns the pictures? You know? Yeah, it's when, sort of like Garage Band. I think they're letting you the. Are they? I mean, I don't know. I don't know, but you know. I I don't see anything saying well I couldn't you know upload them to some uh, like you know create a book out of them and, and uh, you know blurb and and sell a book of these pictures. In fact, I would love to make a book of these things and have them as mm-hmm. prints, you know, as just a book because the uh, I'm I'm very attracted to the to this photography. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I don't know where it's going to go. Um, you know, uh, very curious about it. I love the idea that like the machine, like, you know, in collaboration with the machine, I've, that, that kind of stuff doesn't scare me. And uh, I'm going to be really interested in, in the disruption that it's mm-hmm. going to mean for, for everybody. I think this is going to be a, a, a big deal because it's not going to just, you know, what about music, right? Artificial Home decor. Intel. What? Home decor. Home decor. Oh, you mean like, and then, you know, outputting this to like, you know, 3d printers you know yeah. someone creates something and what it's like you said before for those of us who don't you know know how to maneuver a paintbrush or or really know how to set up a you know i'm not going to do tin types necessarily soon or you know certainly on a on the planet of dune with a you know some giant person dressed up as the baron von harken harkonnen yeah thanks for that one that one scared <laughs> the hell out of me <laughs> I'll put those in the show notes. That one's almost statuesque. Oh, I know they're great, but you know, they're fantastic. I I don't even know what, where they're coming from. I don't know what, like, I, you know, I, I can't imagine, but, but I'm surprised at that, you know, real photography. uh, I don't know. Again, this is probably not a good comparison, uh, but you know, I find I put these images up and, and they are very compelling to look at and they're getting a giant response and then real photography, uh, you know, even like when I had Instagram and stuff like that, and I had like 2,000, 3,000 followers or something like that, would barely get, you know, uh, half a dozen or a dozen people, yeah. you know, giving it thumbs up. And well, it's a novelty of where it's coming from. I mean, that's part of it for sure. Right. I mean, we're all like-minded. I mean, everybody's in this in this AI uh, Facebook group, uh, so we're all kind of looking for this stuff anyway, and we're, we're quick to give praise. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I think I talked long, longer than about this than I really thought to, but I'm, I was, I'm amazed by it and I'm, I'm really curious about it. And if anybody has any experience with it, you know, uh, if you want to reach out and let us know what, what your experiences are and what you think about it, I would certainly love to talk about this, but I, I want to, you know, keep an eye on this and see where it goes. And, you know, I'm also recognizing that I'm part of this. Like I have uh, created something, helped to create something, excuse me, because I, I want to, I can't even get the words right here. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't create the stuff. I, I prompted the stuff. Uh, 
And it's something that I'm really attracted to. And it seems to be something that other people are attracted to. And it's like, what does this mean? What are we going to do? You know? And, and where, you know, if you can just suddenly imagine, you know, whatever, you know, uh, film noir style, you know, uh, Ronald McDonald. <laughs> I, should, I should put that prompt in, in okay, when we're do done. that in and put that in the, in the I'll put that in the show notes. Because uh, we don't have the Ronald McDonald's in the stores anymore. So. No, someone did a, someone did uh, uh, Elon Musk work working at McDonald's. Um, and it was one of the other programs they did. And they... The faces, you could tell they were Elon Musk. They looked a little distorted, but he's like wearing the, like a sort of McDonald's shirt. He's like handing out fries. That's <laughs> cute. It was, you know, and this brings up again, this, the other thing, you know, we, we talk about is the deep fakes, you know, the deep fake uh, videos yeah. that are coming out and stuff like that. I know this is sort of a little bit away from photography, you know, but, uh, and I just look at the time we're, we're, we're coming up. Um, I know I wanted to talk about but about photography artifacts, but I don't know if we've got we've got time for that to oh, get into uh, that. What do you think? Oh, we can talk about it a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. All right, might as well give it a little bit of time. Anyway, sure. so so well, let's let's put that on the uh, you know to do list for some future time and keep an eye on this. But I'll put we'll put some of these photos in the show notes and images. I can't call them photos. There's no nothing photography about them. They're using at least the ones I'm doing are using a. They're all generated. Yeah. They're generated. They're using a style of photography, you know, mm-hmm. and they look like they're from the like the sh- sh- the images that I was prompting look like they're from the late 1800s, you know, mm-hmm. shot in you know, you know, some foreign country or something like that on the deserts of Saudi Arabia or something. <laughs> So what we were going to talk about today was the, <laughs> the whole thing about the artifacts. And we got about 10 minutes left, so we'll have to yeah, talk let's faster. Yeah, well, let's, we could talk about that. Yeah, Faster, faster, uh, faster. Um, yeah, it, it came up because of uh, when we were talking to Barry and X the Which, other by the way, was a fabulous interview. And if you haven't downloaded it yet or picked it to listen to on your, on your podcast app, please do that because it was definitely, definitely something... Um, something to listen to it was a fantastic discussion about uh um about creativity and deeply personal subject matter and that sort of thing and it was really uh and and the you know as educator if you're an educator how do you impart your knowledge to others and how you appreciate people that are in your charge when they do create work and yeah uh, i really enjoyed it a lot yeah, and one of the there. subjects we came up with, and that he talked with Greg Heisler, was uh, was the whole idea of the what the media is the thing, the actual artifact about the right, right. You know, I have pictures I took of the flower garden at the Calgary Zoo on Kodachrome twenty five. Like, man, oh man, you look through those pictures and it's like stained glass, and they are amazing, and. Um, that film was there with me on that day. I mean, I right. don't have They're the camera anymore. The... They actually caught the photons that were reflected off those flowers and they don't, maybe they didn't reproduce the colors exactly as they were, but they did in their own Kodachrome way, which is stunning. Uh, underexposed them just that third of a stop just to give them the extra bottom end and extra deep, uh, deep reds and that sort of thing. Um, and I think of my negatives, my just over here, I've got my, two big binders of black and white negatives from my years in the dark room. And, um, 
the, they, you know, what little traveling I did in my twenties and thirties, you know, they're, you know, those negatives are, are there, those strips and, um, the prints that I have, you know, they took the photons that came through the negative and went out onto the print and have this physical manifestation of, of, uh, that moment when I took pictures of that neon sign or that old camera store or whatever it was. And, um, there's something, I don't know, what do you want to call it? It's, for me, it's not so much nostalgia. I think looking at the image gives you some nostalgia. And we talk about, we talk about that all the, and you were saying before, uh, before we started the show about that, this, you know, sound like a bunch of old guys. And I suppose maybe <laughs> yeah. we are. Well, we are, yeah. <laughs> but there's a comforting thing about you have these artifacts around you, like, um, and uh, you know, another analogy I have for my photography is the subject matter is the unformed clay that you're going to be mm -hmm. using to form into the final product. And right, right. if you like those jars, you know, those jars and plates and dishes and stuff that you created around you that kind of give you comfort, not just, uh, uh you know, not like a security blanket or anything, but just something that you created that has value. That's some kind of intrinsic value for, um, for you. Uh, and how that, that kind of experience, at least with the photography part, if we're talking about negatives and prints and that sort of thing. Um, well, I also have, like, you know, I did a ton of stock photography in the 80s and 90s. And a lot of what I used as props, you know, because I didn't have a mm. AI generator back then to say, you know, generate this. And, you know, little little man looking on stock. Sir Topham uh, Hat, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've got a whole box up here of, you know, Prizer, HO scale, you know, uh, little mini figures that became very popular in stock photography back when, although I believe I'm one of the couple of people who actually started that, that trend. And those were part of my, you know, I look at them and they were part of my <clears throat> image making, you know, they were the raw ingredients there and the left, you know, they're, um, I don't want to say it, but you know, in the same way, they were with me in the studio. They were creating the image. Uh, they were, um, uh, I don't know what to say about this. There was something about, like, the props that I kept, which I, I haven't gotten rid of yet. You know, it's one of the few things my, my office is cluttered with props from mm. my time of uh, uh, doing still life photography in a studio and stuff. And so I, th I think about those as, I mean, I, I called it, I said artifacts. You know, they're the... Uh, the, the leftover uh, things from the uh, time that photography was uh, had a sort of well, it was a different meaning for me, but but you know, um, it it was a different time, right? And yeah, I, you know, again with digital, you know, one of the things we're missing is we're not we're not recording anything in reality. It's 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 recording light, changing in, it into electricity yeah, in, in a physical way, yeah. It's not doing Chemical, anything physical. physical yeah. yeah. Even our prints, you know, and, and this harkers back into the beginning of the uh, Becker show, even an inkjet digital print is, it has nothing to do with the original scene. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a negative, like you would put in an enlarger, even though the print is not directly, uh, you know, a result of the light from the subject, but it is, in some sense being um uh it's being created by it you know it's the right. the shadows of the negative are causing the the change on the photographic paper so there mm -hmm. is a maybe i could say like it's an echo you know yeah 
of the original. And, uh, well, I remember, but, but your sense, you, oh, go ahead. Yeah. You know. No, I was just going to say, just to, just to follow on with that thought, uh, just before the pandemic, um, the Vivian Meyer exhibit was here at the Glenbow Museum, and those are printed from the negatives. Those are gelatin silver prints. And they do have a different quality from, like, I can vouch for that myself. They do have a different, I think, more interesting, possibly better, probably better, actually. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, rendering of, of, of their subject. And um, so that was, that was good to see. I mean, I could say, criticize one way or the other, what you think about individual images from Vivian Meyer and the whole, her whole story, but it was good to see actual gelatin silver prints made from original negatives. I mean, there's nothing like that. Yeah. Well, you know, there's uh, here, this is something when I went to the uh, Irving Penn show uh, a couple of years ago, that might've been the last time I was at the Met, by the way, at the Irving Penn show, maybe, but the, they had a couple of things there. Um, not only his prints, which was fantastic to see, but they had his backdrop material, like the actual mm. physical material that he yeah. used in many of his pictures that was there, you know, and they let, you know, you couldn't stand on it, but you could take sort of a selfie in front of it. And they had his uh, Roloflex camera with a, with a, with a Hasselblad viewfinder on, uh, sort of Frankenstein on top of it. Yeah. And, but the, the camera's obvious, but the, the background material, you know, I'm yeah. thinking today that, you know, a lot of people might shoot, uh, you know, a photograph of a person on a green screen and then say, well, you know, I can just, you know, drop in whatever kind of background I want, you know, and yeah. the green screen material doesn't have any personality. Whereas like this, this, uh, this leftover from Irving Penn studio is, you know, it's, it's paint. It's only, there's only one of a kind, right? It's yeah. like a one of a kind painting, you know, it's like Marilyn Monroe's dress from that particular movie. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the kind of thing you would have at a museum, right? It, yeah. it was the kind of thing because it was in a museum and it made sense in, the, in the context of the show and it was the it, it would be the kind of thing you would have in a museum that's yeah. that i guess that's what i'm kind of leading towards you know the, the idea of an artifact you know one of the i pulled this off my shelf now i never actually owned one of these my friend gave this to me but you know if you look at it and you can, our audience can see it but think of think of a microscope without the lens right you think of an eyepiece and you got a stage and a stand and, and, and a mirror and a little mirror on it right yeah. And, you know, most people, unless you work in a darkroom, you're not going to know what this thing is, but it's a grain focuser. Yeah. What is a grain focuser? Well, what you used to have to do in order to make sure your prints were in focus when you were enlarging is that you would put this grain focuser on um, where the paper would be when you're making an enlargement. And it was important to actually have a piece of paper, sort of a scrap piece of paper that was the same thickness of the paper that you were about to print on and you put this grain focuser on it and what you were able to do is focus your enlarger until you saw the grain you would look through this like a microscope and you would focus this focus the enlarger until you could see the grain in the uh, viewfinder of this grain focuser and then you knew that when you took it off and you put a piece of paper in there that your enlarger was at the right distance and it would make a print and focus but you know you look at it now and it's like what, what purpose does this serve yeah but, you know, this was in a darkroom. Someone's eye was put to this and it was used, it was sat on, on, on paper. And like, if, it, if this belonged to someone famous, you know, this would be a real, you know, something you would want to see in a museum. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, for me, I mean, I got all my darkroom stuff, um, 
uh, some of it I've lent away, like uh, uh, my darkroom timer, the Grey Lab timer. That's Grey Lab timers, yeah. yeah. They're the best. And that, just the sound of it, you know, that the little catch on the second hand, bring it around to 20 seconds or yep, 17, yep, seven, right. whatever the exposure time is, and hit the button and use it for developing and the buzzer. It's all that whole, the, the ritual around it. And it's the object that was kind of the center yeah. of that ritual when you're developing or, or printing. It had that wonderful multi-use yeah you said something in the uh, before we were um when we were writing about this that your 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 stained your deck tall stained added, towels you added yellow <laughs> and or, or no it's uh orange and white striped terry towel that right. I completely ruined i'm sure my mother hated me for right it. but anyway so it got these brown marks all over it and uh every now and then there was enough chemical in it they would start to, i would get this tingling in my neck Oh, because you wore it, you put it around your I neck. Wore it, I wore it. Yeah, because it was that I tried to have a wet hand, dry hand, right? When I was doing, oh, particularly I see, on yeah. Sunday nights when I was doing my long print runs, when I decided, you know, I wanted to do the assembly line thing, right? And so I wanted to keep a wet hand and a dry hand, and I was always drying my hands and whatever. And then, and it, whenever I washed it, it had to be by itself in the wash. There's, I, you know, when you, wash uh, it with anything, you know. until you mentioned that, I didn't even remember the name Dectol, and Dectol is the developer that you would use for uh, uh, paper prints. It was kind of a higher energy, uh, yeah, uh, printer. Yeah. Um, uh, it was good for fiber, right? I, and I, you didn't want to get that on your clothes. That stuff no. generally. And it has uh, a particularly kind of sour smell to it. It's very unique. Exactly, yeah. You walk but, into, uh, I mean, you could smell fixer and you could smell the vinegar smell of the stop bath, but Dectol, when it's drying, and in particular, it's just a few inches from your face, um, it's a very, it's, a, <laughs> I, it's, it's bitter. It's a bitter smell. It's sort of like, uh, oh, I don't know, like beer before you drink it or coffee before you before you grow or when it's ground or, you know, mm -hmm. this has got that kind of bitter family. Certainly. Well, it was not. a very organic smell. In some yeah. Sense. It was, Maybe not yeah. as chemically uh, smelling. Yeah. Yeah. I, no. I, I can't remember the, the, I probably mentioned this a zillion times in the past, but the old Polaroids that you would um, have to coat. Oh. And it was that stuff, you know, we're talking about smells now, Yeah. but there was a you, um, Polaroid film didn't come out with a protective coating on it. And so they gave you this little um, tube, and in it was this uh, sponge that was uh, usually like a pink or orange sponge dipped into this funky-smelling, vinegary, I don't know what it was. Yeah. But you would pull the print off, and then you would coat your Polaroid with this, and that would seal in the developer so it wouldn't fade. Yeah. And it would make the print shiny, too. But that smell, uh, you know, we, we talk about artifacts, and it's not only physical, but the art the <laughs> That's, you're talking about smells. I mean, if anything triggers, you know, memory can be triggered by smell very, yeah. uh, very easily. And I, I can't smell that again because the stuff doesn't exist. No. Uh, but if there's something that smells like it, you know, that reminds me of that photography. And I realize all the stuff that we're talking about is all mostly about analog old photography styles. And and there's very, I'm finding very little in the in the artifact collecting in terms of digital. I mean, even so much for the cameras. An old digital camera to me has no value. No, you know, uh, even though I do have my original somewhere, but I had it out. My original uh, Casio, uh, the it was oh, the yes. first digital camera I have, Point and I have megapixel, pixel, whatever. I, the, it, if it was by four eighty. If it was, I think it was three twenty by two hundred. Oh, okay. Um, frankly, it's I think it was. I mean, they're really teeny back. tiny. 
teeny tiny, but you know, I kept that because I never got rid of it because I tend to not sell things, but it's not something that I put on my shelf that I would want to, you no. know, it, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, it's a fairly ugly looking thing in general. And it, it just doesn't, I mean, I just have it, but I didn't get rid of it. I'm glad I have it too, because it's kind of fun to pull it out and say, well, this is where that started. This is where yeah. digital photography started. But on my shelf, you know, I've got, you know, half a dozen, you know, uh, point and shoot uh, film cameras, Kodak film, brownies and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Uh, and so I'm realizing that that it's, you know, when when uh, Barry and X and, and Greg Heisler were talking about that physicality and stuff, I really uh, began to say this is something that uh, we're going to be seeing less and less of, and especially if we, if we really start talking about artificial intelligence creating imagery, does that mean that we're no longer going to need cameras? I, that's sorry, that's a bit wow. Extreme. That sure got dark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that will happen, but you know, who nobody could have predicted the this what it, what the uh, smartphone was going to do to the point and shoot business I mean, well it was better and worse right we got you know people falling off uh the top of canyon walls and we also got this wonderful democratization of high school kids and uh, you know windows into worlds and and other people's experience we wouldn't have had without so right you know, right take the good with the bad i guess yeah that's true and so i don't know where that where this is going to go i i do know that you know, we're living with photography now as a more disposable, less uh, collective, collecting kind of uh, art form. You know, yeah. cameras are kind of disposable. They, we, you know, poor cameras. If cameras were alive, you'd look at one and, and, and they would say, no, please don't upgrade me. I still do. I still work. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, if it's one kind of Sony and the next kind of Sony comes out, the owner says, well, screw you, old Sony. I'm going to get this new Sony. And that poor old Sony yeah. is sitting there and then it doesn't, you know, whether it sits on the shelf or it gets sold to somebody, but it doesn't, doesn't sit on a shelf as a, as an object, as an artifact of the past. It may, but I doubt it, you know. Yeah, there uh, has to be something special about it for sure. Right. But and, that's and, the nature of, you know, recursive engineering, continuous improvement. That's what we've become. I mean, I think part of it is with film, with film cameras before the digital age, you would hang on to, let's say, you know, you, you had a twin lens and you went to a 35 millimeter and you found that the 35 millimeter had more frames in it and the films were becoming a little bit better. You kept your twin lens because, you know, it's still useful. You can still use it and you, you know, you could jump back to it if you wanted this big square negative or whatever. Now with digital, you know, you, we have these jumps where, what's left behind isn't useful anymore. Like you were just saying, right? Right. The, the, right. You're, oh, right. you're moving ahead and now you've got this thing that d doesn't do, doesn't cut the mustard anymore where the old film cameras, you could be 50 years old and you could still, if you buy film for it, it was still useful. And you got into whatever the qualities, the properties of that particular camera were. Now we're just sort of, well, you don't want to shoot over ISO 400 or it'll look like garbage. <laughs> you know, like there's well, a showstopper right there. As you're saying that, I, I'm thinking that, yeah, like um, I'm, I was able to, uh, with the help of some 3D printed spool uh, uh, adapters, was able to put 120 film into a 620 sized box camera mm -hmm. uh, from, you know, 1912. I haven't developed that film yet, by the way. Still, yeah, you should, because I did. I know. I, I got. 
I have the pictures from whatever 2016 or 2017 from that brownie that I took, and it was they're pretty cool. Yeah, well, I've six got six by whole, nine negatives too. I've got I've got seven or eight rolls of. Uh, maybe I'll do that next week. Is, is send them in, but you know, but for okay, great. So I've I've got that film from a camera for over a hundred years ago, and you know probably has something on it, and it was useful. Just like you're saying, you can you can reuse these things, but you know uh, I buy a. I don't know what I have. Uh, well, my Nikon D2X, right? What are the chances right. of me finding a new battery for that thing? There's yeah. no batteries being made for that anymore, so I can't. I can't get the camera to work. Or some of right. my actually, there's some of my other cameras. I know I can't get batteries for uh, the Casio. By the way, used double A's. As long as they make double A's, I can put them in. But, but I have that main... uh, Olympus C5050, which is a god awful slow camera, but it took. Uh... It took alkaline or lithium double uh, A's, four of them. And you got a fair amount of pictures out of them. Yeah, uh, but but the, in the sense of these things that you can't even get batteries for, you're right. Like automatically, they're they're no longer of any value. Uh, you can't go back yeah. and say, why? Hey, why would I want to go back and shoot? You know, uh, a, a four megapixel camera, right? Yeah. There's there's absolutely no reason to want to do that. No. So. Those things just lose any kind of value. So I guess the idea is like, are we we have more artifacts from the days of analog, which actually are in a sense maybe not artifacts. You know, we can still mm -hmm. use them. We still can shoot slides. We can still record. I mean, I've got a Polaroid camera now, right? That, yeah. um, and they've made Polaroid film again. And and you know this picture I'm holding up of uh, me and Elizabeth, uh, I mentioned in the last show. You know that that's a direct, you know analog recording of the yeah. light you know this is like your slide right this is yeah. actually this is no different than your slide and both way. of you handled that print like there's all kinds of there's all kinds of right um like i, I call maybe it's not the right word but metaphysical aspects to it as a as a as an artifact as a thing yeah exactly i mean you know you, uh, from what i said at the beginning when you go to a museum and you stand in front of a very famous painting you know that you can see the brush strokes right so you know that the artist that who is very famous and you're, you're, you're uh, you know, loving their work. They're responsible for those brush strokes. They made the thickness. They stood yeah. at the same distance that you are most likely from that yeah. painting, yeah. you know, uh, photography is some of the same things. Like, you know, if I, if I had that, that backdrop that, that, uh, that, uh, Irving Penn had, then I knew he handled it. He held it. He, mm -hmm. people who were, um, famous stood on that thing or stood in front of it or yeah, whatever back into this corner and crouch a little bit good right <laughs> imagine having those panels that he had yeah. the, used as the i mean they probably <laughs> probably in shabby if they even existed they'd be shabby but still people would have that you would mm -hmm. uh today you know and i don't want to get into the uh it's gonna sound yeah old fogey kind of thing but you know now we have nfts which is this purchasing of digital um uh data digital uh art um which is stuff that doesn't exist in reality uh what, mm -hmm. and of course it makes sense this is the world we're in we're in a digital world and so people are adapting to to doing this yeah. but digital does not lend itself to an artifact maybe the actual like you know i have an old macintosh computer sure that's the computer physically itself is an artifact in fact i had an old mac and i got rid of it Mm -hmm. I'm kind of bummed out that I did, but I don't need to collect more stuff. Right. <laughs> so, but you know, I mean, it's a collection. But the the stuff that's on the computer, right? The the yeah. files and 
I want to actually, and I'm kind of finding this out now because I'm going through, I'm going through some of Elizabeth's old stuff and I'm finding, um, and I'm not going to read any of this because it's very personal, but she's got these letters and they might've been, um, I don't know if they were letters or journal entries or something like that, and they're very personal. I've been reading them, and I and I started to scan them, and I was like, okay, why am I scanning them? Uh, you know, because I've got I've got her handwriting here. I mean, she actually stood there and she wrote this stuff, and I can see the style of her handwriting. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I for some reason I'm, I'm scanning all these documents, and you know, bills and stuff I scan. But as I started to scan these, and like thinking, why am I doing that? Like, what what? What, do I pre- what would I preserve them for? Why would I preserve them digitally? If I preserve them digitally, and I, a part of me had a moment thought of like, well, I'll shred her originals and I'll have the scans. And I was like, wait a minute, but I've totally lost the whole point of an artifact, right. of something that right. had some meaning. Uh, you know, scanning it would be preserving it for some future generation to, you know, poke around on my computer or whatever. And frankly, if she saw that other people were going to read this other than me. And I don't even think she wanted me to read this stuff, but I've got it. Yeah. She would come back and haunt them, you know, to the ends <laughs> of the, <laughs> or probably haunt me too and kill yeah. me in the afterlife. Right. <laughs> uh, and so I was thinking like, okay, there's no, there's no point that this is the object. This is it. Yeah. This is, this, this is where the, the, the buck ends. And so, uh, again, this this idea of the of the artifact of something that will last and have meaning, and and so many things um, are we're moving away from. And again, it, it sort of ties back to the 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 um, uh, Becker exhibit too, because a lot of the stuff that they were photographing. Nice callback, uh, by the way. Right, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Very good. I like that when it works out. Um, hey, hey, we're here <laughs> but, all evening yeah i know they're they're photographing something i don't know if they were photographing a lot of the stuff was still working but a lot of it wasn't and and i'm sure much of what they were uh um photographing has been torn down and no longer Mm -hmm. exists yeah so the only record we have is their their prints and their negatives and you know compare that to like the mid-journey ai thing where there is nothing there is the creation has no uh, mechanism uh, mm-hmm. has a, um, almost, and, and does that mean does it have meaning or not? And so maybe that's sort of an open question. No, no well, I could, uh, philosophically, I think they certainly do because you entered those and I entered those those words for for in the prompt, and we got something that has much deeper meaning than we could have imagined. I mean, even with my little bit of playing, right? But whose meaning is it? Uh, right? Yeah, I know. I'm just. I mean, <laughs> I'm just putting out the question. Meaning is I, meaning. If it means something to me, it has meaning. Yeah. Um, okay. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to stand by that. Okay. We'll stand by that. <laughs> uh, I think we'll have to probably put the, the rest of our artifacts on on hold, although we did talk for a little while for that. But uh, well, Maybe we could bring a guest in or something. I, I would like to talk. I really, for some reason, this has some meaning to me. And uh you know, I don't know if it was just, yes, I'm just an old guy. I'd like, what what will the equivalent, you know, 40 years from now, our counterparts talking about digital on some podcast? What what will they be talking about in terms of artifacts? Will they just not be part of that conversation anymore? Right. 
And does it mean anything? Does it does it does it does it only mean things to to us, or is it does it have some? I, I guess it's going to have meaning because that's why we have museums. Yeah, museums are you know storehouses of artifacts that that have had meaning, and it's funny that uh, I'll leave on this. I'll end on this, but uh, like the museum, the Metropolitan Museum of Art has things in it that like you know we we're calling art now but say when they were made they were just practical like you know they had these right. spoons you know that someone was using and yes they were very decorative but it was a spoon someone used it to you know put mm -hmm. sugar in their tea or something like that but now you know as they said in you know <laughs> in indiana jones buried in the sand for a thousand years it comes out it's priceless yeah and now it's some kind of artifact that has meaning and 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 yes let's put it into museum so yeah i would agree I, I don't know what we learned from this. <laughs> well, we we chatted. It was all good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right, that's that's we've we've gone over, but uh, yeah, it's only been two weeks. We haven't talked to each other. Nope. In a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, we've been you know tossing things back and forth over social media, but yes, yeah. that's about it. All right, so let's wrap this up. Where where are we looking for you on the interwebs, and where do we find you now on uh, on Vero? Vero, yeah. So. Um, most of my work still, um, although I will be going back towards uh, Vero, I think in the in the in the future. I'm uh, Ward Rosin Fine Art on Instagram. I'm uh, Ward Rosin Photography on Facebook, and both Twitter and Vero are W Rosin Photo. So it's W R O S I N Photo. That's where you find me. I just look for my name. Uh, I think I'm the only one around, as far as I know. Uh, and I have a small business called Ornus Photo where I sell um, uh, lens adapters and uh, uh, Seven Artisans lenses for Fuji uh, Fuji E mount and oh sorry X mount Fuji X mount and Sony Sony E, -mount. e mounts yeah yeah so getting anything new getting anything new uh, nothing right now I think um, I got a little bit a little bit of inventory to sell but. Um, to, Make an order right. this our unofficial sponsor unofficial sponsor yeah so i finally have a place to say that you can look for my photography other than facebook which is rosario photography and my website am rosario on vero i'm at am rosario so i was managed to got i got that uh, name and i'm also on twitter at am rosario so if you want to see new pictures and you don't want to follow me on facebook which i imagine is just for the older folks uh, these days uh, go find me on Vero, so at AM Rosario. And yeah, that's it. It was great, great hanging out with you tonight. Once again, it was great. I really liked the discussion. I think uh, it's been good. And yeah, the summer yeah. is over. The summer is over. I think we might have a guest for next time if I can get oh. him to uh, uh, cool. make some time. So I'll just leave that to, I won't say who it is in case we don't get him. But uh, all right. We know it's a him, I think. Is is definitely a him, yes. Right. And we need some hers too, and uh, well, I like to get some them's as well. Yeah, we need them. Like all people, hers. Yep, all of them. All right. So thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with us tonight, and uh, see you in a couple of weeks. And you Ward, have a good night. You too. See ya. Bye. Bye.